What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Beat Shafe Daily. I'm Brendan Schaefer, joining you here on Cardinals Opening Day, Friday, July 24th, 2020. Excited to finally be here with you all. The baseball season began last night. Had a rain-shortened affair with the Yankees and Nationals, and then the Dodgers and Giants played the late-night game. But the rest of the league gets going today. The Cardinals are among those teams. They'll face the Pittsburgh Pirates tonight at Bush Stadium. And couldn't be more excited about that. I know there's no fans. I know it's going to be different. I know some of the rules were not necessarily particularly fond of. We'll talk about one of those rules that has just come into effect officially going to happen for the 2020 season. The fact that there will be now 16 teams making the postseason rather than 10, I think that's kind of a travesty. Um, I was okay with the idea of it a few weeks ago when it was uncertain whether or not we would get baseball at all. It, it didn't, you know, we didn't really know whether the season would get started or not. And when they were throwing around these potential rule changes, I was like, okay, whatever. I honestly don't care. I would take, you know, put 20 teams in the playoffs if you want for this season, if that's going to going to help get it across the finish line. But now that, you know, then we got to start summer camp and we were on our way to the season getting underway. And then like right before that, they say, oh, by the way, we changed our mind. We are going to do expanded playoffs. And so now I'm kind of mad about it. Um, but I want to be clear. I'm not mad about it within the context of this season. Again, I'll get over it for one season. I'll just be glad if they get through the year. You know, I'm grateful to have sports back. But my concern is 16 is... First of all, it's more than half the league, 16 out of 30 teams. And that's always a complaint that I've had with, you know, the NHL, which is now 16 out of 31 that make it in the NBA. They have 16 teams make their postseason as well. And so I I know, you know, we've talked about expanded playoffs. They've continued to want to do it because the more teams making the postseason, the more money for everybody. And that that's what it's all about at the end of the day. If you're a Major League Baseball owner or somebody with a vested interest in the money they make. And so I said, you know, it'll probably expand to 12. It may even expand to 14 at some point. But jumping right to 16, and then if they see it and like it the way it goes, I I, I don't know if it's going to just be a temporary thing. That could be an excuse to go ahead and make it permanent beyond this season or at least starting in 2022, something they bake into the new CBA. I would not be a fan of that at all. I think one of the best parts of the way baseball has things set up is that when you look across the four major sports, They have the fewest percentage of teams overall that make the postseason, 10 out of 30. And and it used to be 8, and then they added the second wild card, and I think that's been good. And people say, but what about the one-game playoff? You know, that's not really fair to have a whole season come down to one game. Well, I disagree with that because you had a chance to win your division. If you didn't do it, that's okay. You, you, you know, still had a nice season. Give yourself a chance in that wild card game. If you win the game, you're, you're just as good as a division winner at that point because you advance to a five-game series. Now, if 16 teams make the playoffs, as is going to happen this year, I believe the way they're breaking it down is top two teams in each division are going to be included. So that's six from each league. Now you're up to 12. And then two additional wild cards from each league getting you to 16. And then they're playing a three-game series. I think that's ridiculous. You could have a third-place team. Not not even could. You will have a third-place team. And conceivably, I, you know, it seems unlikely. If it were to happen, I bet it would happen in the NL Central this year. Going to talk about my NL Central predictions today. I'll have a post for KMOV that'll have all my predictions 
uh, for standings and, you know, what I think is going to happen in the postseason later today for KMOV. But just for this podcast, I'm going to talk about the NL Central, my predictions there. But conceivably, you could have a division where the top four teams make the postseason because you're getting two already, third place, fourth place. If those happen to be the next best records in the league among third place and fourth place teams, then those two would make it. So like Cardinals, Reds, Brewers, Cubs could all potentially make the playoffs. I don't think that's likely to happen, but it's not impossible. And so if that scenario did play out, you would have a best two out of three series that would be played where a team who finished fourth in their division, certainly going to be the case that a team that finished third in their division has the same essentially opportunity as the teams that won their division. I think that's a travesty. And again, for right now, this is only a system they're going to implement for this season. But I just, I don't like the implication that, okay, say it goes well and it's exciting and people enjoy the postseason. And then they're like, well, heck, 16 teams, that's more money. Let's do it. Let's just add that forever. And I think that would be a mistake. We already talked about the problems with teams not, you know, being willing to sign players, you know, elite players to to high-dollar contracts. Teams are hesitant to spend in free agency. You know, teams are hesitant to go for it at the expense of the future because the way the system is set up, if you just, you know, take your time with the prospect and you manipulate his service time, you're going to get him for an extra year. It's all about... It's all about efficiency with the dollar. And I get that. But in this system, you are basically disincentivizing teams from going for and building and spending to to have elite clubs, which is probably, you know, the owners are probably like, great, I get more money and there's less pressure because it becomes easier to make the playoffs. And, you know, for the players, I just I just don't I just don't think it's a benefit. Maybe they're getting a cut of that money. I don't know all the details of how that's going to break down. I know they they did, you know, the union agreed to this. And so the players will get an extra chunk of, you know, the, the revenue because of that. But I just think it would be a shame if this ends up kind of spiraling into a situation where in a 162 game season, you have a team win 105 games and a team wins 79 games and they both get to play a best two out of three to advance to the round of eight. I think that would be terrible. But that's kind of my only rant for now because, again, it's not something that's permanent. It's not something that, as of yet, is is planned in any official capacity for 2021-2022. It is just for this year. That's what it was approved for. Um, but, you know, if it goes well, I think common sense would tell you that they could, could, they could try to expand it. And, you know, expanded postseason, I think it's going to happen eventually. I just hope it's not 16 teams every year. 12, I think, would be okay. Kind of like, you know, the NFL has had 12 out of 32 make it. Now I think they've moved up to 14 for this year. Um, 12 out of 30, I don't love it, but I think there might be a way you could do it. But especially, I think it would be important to make sure the division winners in whatever system you get, get an extra bonus. I think that's the main my main takeaway would be I want I want the playing field to not be even after 162 between a team that wins 100 games and a team that squeaks in with 83 or whatever. And again, you could have a year where your division is down. The Cardinals, you know, they won the World Series with an 83 win team in 2006. You squeak in, you know, opportunities come up, you take advantage of them. That's fine. I get that, and those are, those are going to happen. But I think in a system like this, you're you're really asking for 
for trouble and and potentially it wouldn't be surprising to me if this year a, a team below 500 were to squeak in because you've got fewer games the margin of difference is going to be smaller because it's only 60 games and so there'll be teams that are 31 and 29 there'll be 30 and 30 there'll be 29 and 31 and so when when you're just separated by by such a small difference you know, one win will really raise your winning percentage by a lot, but there could be several teams floating right around the 500 mark, and when you have more than half the teams make it, uh, it's certainly possible that there will be a team below 500 that makes the postseason this year. But anyway, I'm going to stop ranting about the, the expanded postseason for 2020. I do want to get into my predictions for the NL Central, and I mentioned that there could be a division that has a lot of teams bunched up. I think, if any of them, the Central could be that division. I've got teams one through four within about five wins of one another. And again, I mentioned for KMOV, I'm going to have like the official records of what I project is going to happen. And I'm going to work on that, post that before Friday's game begins. Cardinals versus Pirates. Jack Flaherty on the mound for St. Louis. It'll be Joe Musgrove for Pittsburgh. And we'll try to get the shows out day after games in the morning as early as possible so that you guys can listen before the next day's games. Cardinals didn't have any practice officially on Thursday, and so I didn't do the podcast because I knew coming up we're going to have a full weekend of games, and so we'll probably be pushing out some episodes over this weekend, which is not something that we did you know, back in January, February, when there wasn't anything going on. So schedule could be a little bit shifty, but I'll try to do as many of these shows as I can. That's going to be kind of the point of all this. But my point is, I may shift a little bit when I release that article from the win totals I'm about to read to you, but I think I'm pretty well set on most of this, give or take a game. Definitely, I'm set on the standings. I just, you know, to to make myself feel a little better about the win totals, I might shift it a little bit. But here's what I've got right now. I'm going to go bottom up. I'm going to start with the the basement with the Pirates because, and I know this is probably different from what I had projected a few months ago before we knew about coronavirus and I kind of had my order of what I thought was going to happen. This could be a little bit different from that, but a lot of things have changed since then, obviously. And now you're talking about a sprint instead of a marathon. But at the bottom of the central, I've got the Pirates. That hasn't changed. Uh, I have them at about 24 wins and 36 losses, which, you know, if you expand that out to 162-game season, would be pretty bad. That's probably a win percentage of over 100 losses. I didn't do the math, but... Um, I, I think the Pirates are going to struggle. You know, it, I, I, you don't want to project a team to do too poorly because all it takes is a quick hot streak, and, and certainly that can happen this weekend. Like, if the Cardinals lose 2 of 3 to Pittsburgh over the weekend, you, the direction, you know, your outlook on the season, I think can certainly change a lot more quickly in 2020 than it would in another year. You lose two games in a row, that's akin to losing like five in a row in a regular season, I would think. So, you know, it's, it's going to be tricky. It's certainly going to be a case where if teams get on too long of a losing skid, that can almost take you out of the running within the course of a week where before you might have been just fine. So um, going to be interesting to see kind of how that goes. But Pirates, I don't think they're very good. They traded away Starling Marte. Uh, I don't even think Chris Archer is healthy for this season. He's not going to pitch, and that was their big prize from – the trade that sent Glasnow and Austin Meadows to Tampa. So they're 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 tearing things down. We'll see what kind of moves they might make before August 31st. That's the trade deadline this season. Um, I don't think they're going to be in the running. Josh Bell's a good player. I just don't think they have a whole lot behind him. Don't love their pitching staff. It's just kind of nondescript. 
you know, one through five. Joe Musgrove is not a, not a bad pitcher, but he's not a number one for, for a team that's looking to contend. So don't think very much of the Pirates. Um, and I and hopefully the Cardinals, for their sake, will have some success with them uh, against them this weekend. You got to take at least two out of three from a team like this. And it, it's interesting because when you look at like an NFL schedule, you're like, oh, this is a must-win game. This is a bad team. You you know, for for us to make the playoffs, you know, you, you look at those kind of things. And in baseball, you know, you're going to lose games to bad teams every year because like if you if you're a decent team and you're playing the say the Pirates in a 162-game season, and they're, everybody's like, oh, yeah, we know they're going to be bad. We talk about the Royals last year and the Tigers last year in the AL Central. You're like, all right, we play these guys 18 times. We've got to beat them at least like 11 times, 12 times to really kind of take advantage of that part of our schedule in order to be where we want to be at the end of the season. In this case, yes, you're still playing the teams in your division 10 times. But, I mean... If the Pirates are widely considered the worst team, you've got to make sure. Like, every game you lose against the Pirates in this season, only 60 games compared to 162, is going to be like, oh, man, we really let an opportunity get away. And it doesn't even – think about it, especially if it's like a walk-off situation or a close game where, you know, it comes down to to one little play here or there. Those are really going to come back to bite you. And so you can't lose those games this year if you want to succeed. Um, But then again, I say all this – and I, and I just got done talking about how you win 30 games, that might be enough. And so, you know, it, it's it's gonna it's kind of an interesting dichotomy. And I think part, partially that's why they did the 16-game expansion, 16-team uh, expansion, pardon me, for the postseason. But you certainly don't want to be dropping games to, to bad teams. And so we'll see what the Cardinals do this weekend. But I think the Pirates, they're the only bad team in the NL Central because I think the Brewers, next up, I'm going to have them in fourth place. I don't necessarily think they're a bad team, though. I, I think they're just kind of an average to mediocre team. And at mediocre, I think if you're a mediocre team in a 60-game season, you might win about 28 games. And that's where I have the, the Brewers right now, 28-32, and 32, uh, just a little bit below 500. You know, I, I'm not that impressed with their pitching staff. That's been kind of a theme for them in recent seasons. Uh, they've found ways to do it, especially with their bullpen. But I think they've just got a, an average pitching staff in their their lineup, which I, I know has pieces. Christian Yelich, you know, I think is the best hitter in the National League. And, and maybe in baseball, you, you look at the way his numbers have compared to Trout the last couple seasons. He's very, very good. And, you know, saw that coming when the Cardinals traded for Ozuna instead. But we won't rehash that today. But I think behind Yelich, it definitely has thinned out when you look at some of the players they lost over the offseason. They're just not quite as deep of a lineup as they as they used to be. They lost Eric Thames. They lost Moustakis. A uh, couple other guys, I believe. And so they lost their catcher. Uh, Yasmani Grandal went to the White Sox. And so, you know, it's it's they're just not quite as deep as they were. I don't think they're bad, though. And I and I think that they'll, they'll do enough to kind of hang in there. Now, 28 wins. Again, I'll look at what I've got for the rest of the league penciled in. Might have to edit this a little bit because I, I I drew this all up before they announced the 16-team postseason. But it looks like, based on what I have for the rest of the National League, it looks like 28 wins would not be enough to score them a playoff spot. So they'll probably be on the outside looking in the way I have it projected. Uh, and then in third place, I've got a team that I, 
I just cannot decide what I think of them. I think they could be spectacularly bad, or they could. You look at the names on their team and their their guys perform to expectation, and suddenly the Chicago Cubs are just going to be fine. They're going to be a playoff team, and everything goes well. But man, I mean, you look at. Don't want to read too much into exhibition games, but you Darvish getting lit up by the White Sox the other day. Um, pitching has been the concern for the Cubs, even though you look up and down their rotation. You're like, oh, John Lester, he's been pretty good throughout his career. Jose Quintana, that's a solid arm. Kyle Hendricks, pretty good. He starts today. And Hugh Darvish, you know, certainly in his past has had a, a good reputation. So they've got a lot of names in their rotation. Can we trust any of them to, to stay healthy, to pitch effectively? How many of them will do so? I think their lineup is one of the better lineups in the National League. Uh, and I think they're going to be aided by David Ross as their manager. I think that change of pace will help them in the clubhouse. And I think the Cubs have certainly got a shot to make the playoffs, especially now with the, the uh, 16 teams that will make it. But I have them listed right now at 30 wins, 30 losses, exactly 500. I think for the sake of, you know, me choosing for Cam OV, which eight teams will make the playoffs, I'll have to break a tie because I've got another couple, another team at 30 and 30 that I think would be, eighth and ninth and so I got to decide which team I think I would lean toward yes the Cubs will make the playoffs over a team like uh who do I have the Mets are right there at 29 wins uh, looking in the west the Diamondbacks I've got at 30 I think the the Cubs over the Diamondbacks is something I'll have to edit so maybe I'll bump the Cubs to 31 wins because from what I read the 16 uh, team playoff they're not going to play any bonus games they will have a tiebreaker that will already be predetermined. And so if two teams tie at 30 and 30 for eighth and ninth in a league, they're, they're going to have to split that some way without actually playing an extra game. I just don't think there will be time for the extra game this year is the thought process. So uh, I'll probably bump the Cubs up to, say, 31 wins. But I've got them in third. And there was a time where I thought, man, I might be predicting the Cubs to win the division. But i got to say I was more impressed by you know what I saw from the, the, the Reds the more I look at their lineup and what I saw in person from the Cardinals. I've got the Reds and Cardinals as the top two teams in the division, which means both the Reds and Cardinals, according to my predictions, would make the playoffs this year because it'll be two teams from each division plus those two wild cards in each league. And so I have in second place, I guess I'll reveal second, and then I'll talk about first. Um, because once I reveal second, you'll know who I predict to win the division. But I've got in second place at 32 wins and 28 losses, I've got the Cincinnati Reds. And so that means I do have the Cardinals winning the division. That's my prediction for the season. Um, I'm gonna I'm floating between, I, I mean, 33 and a half for me would be a great over-under. And so if you're uh, someone who lives in a, a state where gambling is legal and you can, can potentially play some of those futures bets, I believe I saw the Cardinals over-under in Vegas was 31 and a half. Um, I, I cannot source that because I forgot where which sports book had that. But if that's the case, 31 and a half, I'd be slamming the over, I would think, because I think I'm stuck between 33 and 34 wins for the Cardinals. On my Twitter poll, my, my win total polls that I do every year, uh, the under hit on 34 and a half. So that means if the majority of Twitter voters thought they would win more than 33.5, but less than 34.5. That wedges the Cardinals right in there for 34 wins. And I just cannot decide if I think 33 or 34. The problem is, you know, I think they're 34 caliber, but man, when you it, it could feel rough when you have a week where you lose five games and the, the sky feels like it's falling. It's tough to 
to to buy wins back at that point. And so I, I I'm hesitating across the league. This is the the case. I hesitate to be like, oh yeah, a team's going to win forty. Like even the Dodgers, where everybody thinks they're the the team to beat, and for a lot of good reasons, they've got a lot of talent. I've got the Dodgers at 38 wins for for reference, and I'm looking in the American League. My predictions there. I don't think I have anybody higher than that. I have the Tampa Bay Rays actually with the best record in the American League, 37 wins. So that's just the way I I typically I I lean toward the middle when I do these predictions because it's just hard to imagine a team just being perfect for that long. You have a losing streak, it gets really tough to win 40 games. That would be akin to in a 162-game season. That would be akin to like 108 wins. And so you don't very often see that, and so that's why I'm I'm not predicting anybody to win 40. I'm not predicting anybody to lose 40. I mean, the, there are a few teams that could definitely lose 40. Uh, the Orioles, I think the Tigers are going to be terrible. Um, the Royals shouldn't be that bad. The Pirates, hopefully, I mean, for the Cardinals' sake, you'd say yeah, maybe they will lose 40 if the Cardinals beat them 10 times, but I don't know if that's very likely. I think the Mariners are going to struggle only because they've got such a, a tough schedule. You look at playing teams from the AL West and the NL West, they got to play the Astros, the Athletics. Um, some people think the Angels are going to be decent this year. they got to play the Dodgers, of course. I think the Padres are going to be good. I had them as a wild-card team even before the expanded playoffs, and so that's a tough schedule. So I think the Mariners, if I had to, to guess, could potentially be in the running for the worst record in all of baseball. The Orioles will definitely give them a run for their money, and perhaps the Tigers as well. But let's get into why I think the Cardinals are going to win this division before we wrap up this show here today. For one, I think the Cardinals are, and it's not sexy necessarily in the in the box score. It's sexy when you're watching it, when you can watch these highlights a lot of times. But I think the Cardinals are the best defensive team in Major League Baseball this year, period. I'm not even going to say one of the best. I think they're the best defensive team in baseball. And that's hard to make a claim for. Like, I know it's bold because I haven't seen up close and personal every team across baseball defensively and what they look like. And look, the Cardinals aren't perfect defensively. They've made their share of errors this this spring and summer camp in particular. But they're moving guys around. I don't think they're playing guys where they're typically going to be played. And I could this could come back to bite me if, if they're botching ground balls left and right when we get into the season. But I think you look across the diamond, Goldschmidt, solid defender, multiple-time gold glove winner. Colton Wong won his first gold glove this past season. I think he's the best defensive player they got. Paul DeYoung looks really, really solid at shortstop and I think would be very deserving of a gold glove opportunity. He was a finalist last year. And as far as, you know, when you talk about in order to really get a chance at a gold glove, sometimes you got to also show up offensively to kind of get people's attention to start looking at your defense a little more closely. I think DeYoung is going to have the type of offensive season this year that will be conducive to that. You've got Yachty behind the plate. You know his reputation. Third base, I think you're going to see more Tommy Edmond than you do Matt Carpenter. I think that would probably be a benefit overall to the defensive numbers of the Cardinals. Uh, and again, we don't know necessarily about Wong's status to start the year. You know, by the time you listen to this, we could have already seen the game played, and maybe he doesn't start because of the neck thing. But he had a neck issue on Wednesday. They said they didn't think it was going to impact him Friday, but you never know with those things if it kind of lingers. But I think in general for this team, He'll be your second baseman. And then you look in the outfield. Harrison Bader might be the best defensive center fielder in the game. And in right field, Fowler, you know, is is not great, but he's fine. He'll he'll manage out there. You know, he's not going to be cover a whole lot of ground necessarily, but I think he'll do okay. 
especially now that he's hopefully healthy. A couple of years ago, I think he looked pretty rough in right field, but uh, you know, got healthier last year, and then I think he's even healthier, more ready to go for this season. So, uh, you know, he'll be okay out in right field. And in left field, you're going to have an athlete playing there, whether it's Tyler O'Neill, whether it's Lane Thomas. I think both those guys are quality defensive corner outfielders. They're going to cover ground. Uh, you know, they're pretty athletic, so they're going to be okay out there. And I think Dylan Carlson is a, is a plus corner outfielder as well. More than held his own in center field when he played in summer camp. So when we do see Nolan Carlson, I think you're okay defensively there as well. I just think the Cardinals at most every position, you know, third base is probably the only position I have a lot of concern about. Um, just because, not a lot, but if if I had to name one spot, it would be third base. Just because, uh, you know, Edmund has been asked to move around a little bit, and I think he's a, st- a sturdy defender, but third base is a tough position to play, and so if you don't have Arenado over there, you know, you're going to make some errors and it's going to happen sometimes. So if there's one position that I say could be kind of a chink in the armor, it might be third base, but I think they'll be okay there as well. You look at even Matt Carpenter's numbers, defensive runs saved in the last couple of years, he's gotten better than he had been in the past. Uh, and so I think, I think defensively they're really sturdy. Okay. What plays into that and, and acts as a nice compliment to that facet of the team, the pitching, I think the pitching is going to be really good. Um, you know, I think Kwon Young Kim is probably one of the best five starters on this team. As it happens, though, he's going to be the closer. And so that that's a, a plus in the column of the bullpen. The rest of the bullpen's got some issues. We're going to, you know, I wouldn't even say issues, but definitely right now some uncertainties because Giovanni Gagos is not on the roster yet. He will be hopefully soon. When he is, he's probably your eighth inning, seventh inning guy, high leverage situations. With his track record from last year, you feel good about that. Uh, we'll see if they get Alex Reyes in the mix. Helsley's got a, got a pitch, I think, a little better than we saw this summer. Same for Junior Fernandez, who made the roster but did not look very good this summer. Uh, Cody Whitley did make the team. I think he's somebody who could get involved in a, in a late-inning role, potentially. We like what we saw from John Gant. Uh, you know, what role will he fill? I know he was a guy the Cardinals leaned on early last season. Did not look good late, though. Interesting to see what happens with Gomber and Ponce de Leon as far as the roles they fill. I think both of them are two of the better pitchers in that bullpen mix. And you got Andrew Miller and Tyler Webb out there as well from the left side. So a lot of uncertainty with the roles, but I think you've got the pieces there to, to put a decent bullpen together, a better than decent bullpen. And then the starting pitching should be pretty good. You got Flaherty. That's a great way to start things off. Wainwright's going to have to prove that he can back up what he did last year. But if he did the same thing as he did a year ago, I'd say you take that. You're happy with that. Dakota Hudson, same thing is true, but he's going to have to prove that he can do it without walking so many batters and, and you know, quote-unquote getting lucky like he might have a little bit last year, been more fortunate in the ERA and the win total than some of the performance indicated. But, hey, he pitched his way out of things. They're going to give him the same chance to do that again this season. And he's your number three. And then you've got Michaelis and Carlos Martinez finishing off the rotation. Two guys who, in those roles in the past, have proven themselves to be capable. So I think you've got good, sturdy pitching. I think you've got depth for when a starter gets hurt. You know, either Ponce or Gomber will probably jump in the mix at that point, and so I think you'll be okay there. I like their pitching. I think it's probably top to bottom as good as any team in the division. 
I think their defense is as good as anybody in baseball. And so then you look at where's the offense going to come from. Um, certainly it helps when you play the Royals, but they did look pretty good on Wednesday when they were able to, to score in multiple innings and do some damage. Tyler O'Neill had a nice double that went for a couple of runs in that game. And so, I, you know, you're, you're going to wait and see what you can get from him. He's going to be the de facto starting left fielder. Lane Thomas will get chances uh, to fill in there as well. We'll see Carlson eventually. Obviously didn't make the opening day roster, but you'll see him, I think, within a few weeks. Um, but they're going to give O'Neill every chance to, to win that job and earn that job and see what he can do with the playing time. And so he'll start out as the left fielder. Across the infield, Goldschmidt, probably you'd like to see him be better than he was last year, but if he repeats the same thing, you'd probably be okay with that. I know a lot of people would disagree with that sentiment, but I think you're, you know, in a 60-game season, you're asking a lot if you think somebody's, you know, just going to automatically be on for the entire time and, and be able to replicate the insane numbers that really Paul Goldschmidt has had throughout his career. Wong led the team in OBP last year. I think you could see more of the same this season. He'll be the leadoff guy when healthy. Um, Paul DeYoung, I think if this team had an MVP candidate, he's my guy. I've been saying that as much as I could. He just looks like he's locked in and ready to go for the season. Um, I think you're, you'll do fine with him being your cleanup hitter. That was a concern when Ozuna left. You know, what did they get out of cleanup? I think he'll do well there. Um, Carpenter at third or Tommy Edmond at third. I expect Carpenter will probably DH a fair amount. I think he's going to have a nice season. He'll bat number two or number five, something like that, uh, maybe depending on the game. Edmund, I think, is is maybe not going to replicate the numbers he had last year, but he led the team in OPS last year in a, in a shorter sample size of at-bats. I think he's going to be pretty good again this year. And then you kind of flip back to the rest of the outfield. I talked about O'Neill. Bader, got to be better than he was last year, no question about that. But I think the role he's going to be, batting ninth probably most of the time, could definitely be a benefit to, to his style of play. Give him some opportunities to kind of set the table for the table setters at the top of the lineup and potentially score a decent amount of runs from that position. I think that would be uh, a good follow for him to see what he can do from the nine hole. And then in right field, yeah, Fowler is going to have to probably prove himself within the first few weeks that he's that he's still capable and, and can contribute offensively. Um, because if not, there are going to be guys waiting, and, and Dylan Carlson is one of those guys. Lane Thomas is one of those guys. And, you know, Austin Dean made the roster. They want to see what he can do a little bit in a reserve role. And so, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out in right field. I think that's probably the one spot that you've got a guy that's got to probably prove themselves. Um, you know, if he starts off real, you know, and I think that's true of anybody, but if Fowler starts off struggling a lot, given the depth they have in outfield, I think particular to that position, it's going to be difficult for Mike Schilt not to try to give some other guys some opportunities because you don't have all year, you don't have six months to to fix it if it's looking if it's looking rough for a certain player. So that's kind of the way I view the offense. And Yadier Molina, you, you know what you're going to get from him. I don't think they're going to be a world-beating offense, but I think if they if they were 19th in run scored a year ago, I think they float closer to, to 14th, 15th for this year. I'll peg them right around 15th if I had to guess. And it's not great, but it's better. And I think given what you have in the rest of the team, it's enough to be a few games above 500. And that, that could be enough to win the division. I think the Reds are very good. Uh, you know, I got them for 32 wins. And I think they've got a, a chance to definitely be a playoff team. You look at their roster, it's much better than it was. Will the pitching hold up? It could. Their starting, their starting five might be better than the Cardinals. I mean, it depends on the way things go, the way their health goes. That's always going to be the case. But they've got some some names, certainly, in that rotation. Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray. You know, they've got some guys that can pitch for sure. And so... 
will will that pitching hold up? I don't really know if their bullpen holds up. I know I like Michael Lorenzen out of the bullpen. They've got Rysel Iglesias that's been their closer. Can they stay healthy? I know Lorenzen's been, at least from a fantasy perspective, I looked on there and he said he was day-to-day, so he's dealing with some arm issues or something like that. So uh, will their bullpen hold up? It remains to be seen. Their offense, though, I feel like people have a lot of confidence in because of the, the names that they've added. They've added, you know, Mike Moustakis, Nicholas Castellanos, um, Shogo Akiyama is the leadoff hitter, uh, presumably going to bat leadoff the outfielder that they signed from overseas. And so they added a lot to this offense, an offense that already featured Eugenio Suarez, Joey Votto. And so, they're you know, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. But as I mentioned, I remember probably back in February on the show, it's a team that's still got to learn how to win. I think the Cardinals, they know their identity They've they know how to win. They did it last year. It's a a lot of the same returning cast coming back this year, with the the main goal being to fix the offense. And I think they've they've put in a lot of work um, dating back to the off season in spring training down in Jupiter, and then you know the work they put in over the summer camp to try and do that. And so I think it's it's going to be enough for the Cardinals to win the division, and and then you know you go from there. And in a 16 team postseason, it seems like anything can happen. You're going to play three games at your home ballpark probably without fans so really what's the benefit other than you don't have to travel um you know but I think yeah a division win for the Cardinals that should be the expectation this year they didn't do a whole lot to revamp the offense in the offseason that you know premise of we don't need to is about to be put to the test for St. Louis as we get the season underway so excited to see it with all of you we'll run through it every day for the most part on the B-Shape Daily Podcast. Make sure to subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can hit me up on the socials, Twitter at bshafer 12 Facebook.com slash bshafer 12 Instagram as well. And we'll get things rolling. Excited to do it. I'm going to wrap the show up here because i got to get ready for the day and head down to Bush Stadium. I'm in Columbia now, so i got to go all the way to St. Louis. So Thanks for listening to me, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow after Game 1 of the Cardinals 2020 season.